in one of our parks today at noon in which it could incite violence. These are just really different times. And they are times that are not only tenuous and really new territory for a lot of us, but we need to be reminded it's not new territory for God. I mean, God understands what's going on. God understands what's happening. And I mean, what an appropriate text for us to reflect upon this morning as we we ask ourselves, Lord, what is our response? I mean, how should we respond in the midst of all that is going on as we read the passage? And it begins, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And so what a challenge we have <laughs> to be Jesus in our world. In fact, I, I began as I was studying for the sermon and the message this morning. I asked myself, what, what about my life is like Jesus? What, are, what about my experience? What is it about my experience that is like, you know, the life and the example that Jesus gave us? Because he did teach us. I mean, he, he taught us how to pray. Remember our father in heaven, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he teaches us how to pray. We understand that. And, and we know that as Jesus goes through the whoop and the wharf of life and all the ups and the downs and experiences that he has and the ministry that he does, he then comes to the very end of it and he does teach us how to die. For he gave his life upon Calvary for all of mankind. He teaches us something about how to sacrifice and how to give of the, ourselves. There's no question about that. But also in the midst of that, between where he teaches us how to pray and where he shows us how to die. In between all of that, he then shows us, he gives us an example of how we are to live our lives. <laughs> Hallelujah. How we're to live our lives. I mean, how are to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ? And obviously we're running towards September 24th because September 24th, what day is that? Does anybody know? Yeah, it is a Sunday, but it's Vision Sunday. And we're running towards this idea that God has given us a vision that's going to be a, a strategic plan for Mission Church of the Nazarene for the next five years. And so we're excited about the fact that God is giving us a vision and a plan for the future of our church. But but I, I believe that, that that plan is only as relevant as we understand who Jesus Christ is. I mean, if you spend any time with me, I hope you would say, Pastor is about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's why I'm a pastor. I'm not a pastor because I wanted to be an academic. I'm really not that much one. I, I, I'm not a pastor because, you know, I, I felt like, yeah, I want to, you know... Uh, Work with volunteers. I am a pastor because Jesus Christ got a hold of me as a young man and he called me to ministry to preach the gospel of who he is. Amen. And so I am about Jesus Christ. I, I am for Christ, about Christ, in Christ. And that's what I believe that Jesus Christ shows us in, in his ministry. His ministry teaches us that that ministry should be incarnational. I love the way that Pastor Jeff, where's Jeff? Last night, he, in his message, says incarnational means moving into the neighborhood. That I mean, if we are really to be missional, that part of being missional is that it's not missional within these four walls, but it is a, it is a ministry that moves into the neighborhood. It is a ministry that impacts lives, and we become the hands and the feet of Jesus, and we're living it out. Amen. So ministry is incarnational. We are being and we are living for Jesus Christ. 
Ministry is also missional. Jesus shows us that. It is missional, so it's incarnational. Ministry is, is missional. That obviously means that God has called us to be on mission. I love the fact that we are a mission church on Mission Gorge Place, just right off of mission. <laughs> People say, where's your church? That's easy. <laughs> go to Mission Gorge, go to Mission Gorge Place, go to Mission Church. That's where we're at. It works. Good directions. So, so we are missional, not because we're just mission church, because Jesus has called us to be on mission. He's called us to be on mission. You say, well, what's the mission? Well, I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. In fact, everything that we're saying is leading towards something. I mean, when I plan messages and I'm planning my sermon schedule, and usually I work at 12 months at a time, I'm thinking, okay, we're here. This is point A, and this is point B. So then in 12 months, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I am praying that we will arrive at point B because we are missional. And so we're preparing and ramping up for this strategic plan. And we, we have to say it includes being missional. Because God has called us to be missional as a church, not just Church of the Nazarene, but as the body of Christ, that, that we are to be missional. And God has a mission for you. And he has a plan for you. I, I said that last Sunday, and I want to say it again, that God has a mission for you. Amen. I'm thrilled when people discover their mission. I mean, it's just like it's electric and their life just, you know, comes alive and they begin to grow as people begin to discover what God's mission is for them in their life. And it's a thrill to me. I, I'm loving, you know, all, all these young people here in the church. I, I was uh, visiting with one of our graduates and she's now uh, applying for medical school. And, uh, and she, she began to share with me how, well, I, I don't, I said, what's your goal? Why do you want to be a doctor? And, and she shared with me, I, I don't want to be a doctor because I want to make money. I want to be a doctor because I want to go to the mission field and I want to serve and I want to be missional. I want to be missional. And, and so when we say, what is the plan? <laughs> Jesus already gives the plan. There's no, no mystery, really. We're called to be missional. The, the third thing Jesus shows us and this, you know, just hang on just a bit, because sometimes I think this gets overlooked. But the fact is, and maybe we just assume. But the third thing is that Jesus, he shows us how to be reproducible. So ministry is reproducible. In fact, Jesus said in, in one place, he says he came to seek and to save those that are lost. And maybe that does not sound, you know, that sounds almost a little judgmental saying somebody's lost. But I'm not saying it, by the way. Remember, Jesus is talking about it. And I'm about Jesus. And Jesus is saying that, that, that he came to seek those are, who are lost. In Luke chapter 19, if you want to look at it, in Luke chapter 19, looking at verse 10, which really kind of, it, it is just, it, it's really a focal point for Matthew chapter 28, looking at verse 19 and 20, which is our text today. In fact, let's look at our text this morning. We started with it, but I want to finish it out. We look at Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. And let's, let's uh, just follow along as I read this with you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you, you have you've not left it a mystery. You, you've given us direction. 
And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would help us as your church to to be that missional church, to be the church that that Lord is is the incarnation of your presence, Lord, in this world. And what a world it is right now. I mean, there's so many things that are going on and and I I do not believe I, I cannot imagine us being and doing all that we need to be without without your help. And so, Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your help. We thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. We pray for your power to come now. Rest upon this service as we respond to you. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen and amen. Now notice as we look at the passage, Matthew 28, 19, 20, um, it, gives us, it gives us a focus, which is really a Jesus focus. Remember, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. And that passage, Luke chapter 19.10, comes right after a passage uh, that, that speaks about a wealthy tax collector who encounters Jesus. And his life is absolutely transformed by, by that encounter. In fact, it, it's a story of a, a short guy, so he must be cool, okay? He's a short guy. And his name is Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus sees Jesus. And something happens in the life of Zacchaeus. I mean, it's, it's like all of a sudden things begin to pop. And something becomes electric. And there's something that comes alive in Zacchaeus. Because he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, I don't know if it's a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Or it's a glimpse of who Jesus really is. But man, what he happens is he runs and he finds a tree. And he climbs up the tree so that he can have a better view of who Jesus is. And when you read the story, what Jesus does, I'm paraphrasing a bit, Jesus nears the tree and then he looks up boldly at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down here. Come down here. And, and notice when he says that, it's not with hesitation. It's, it's not with an unsure spirit or an attitude. But Jesus, with boldness, he says to Zacchaeus, he says, come down here. And when he does that, he's calling Zacchaeus to himself. And in the midst of his sin, in the midst of his greed, and even the power of the position that he had as a chief tax collector, he says, come down here. And Zacchaeus comes down and he responds to Jesus. Remember, Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. And we could say probably by every definition, even by Zacchaeus' own definition of himself, that, that, that he, he, he was lost. So when we say that we are moving in mission, and that means mission, obviously, but it also means for Zacchaeus getting his priorities right. So moving in mission is getting our priorities right. You say, well... Well, for Zacchaeus, what, is that, what, what does that mean? Well, first, notice, let, let me begin like this. Let me back up a bit. Jesus is calling to Zacchaeus. And just as Jesus is calling to Zacchaeus, is it possible that maybe Jesus is calling to you this morning? And maybe you've never responded to Jesus. And maybe, maybe that's just a new concept. I don't know. But, but, but Jesus is calling Zacchaeus as he's calling you today. And maybe this morning, this is your opportunity to say, Jesus, I, I believe I, I want to follow you. But obviously, Zacchaeus, he, he responds, he, he recognizes and welcomes Jesus gladly. And, and, and he responds to Christ's call upon his life. And so what is the result? I kind of alluded to it, is that he starts getting the priorities in order. And for Zacchaeus, what does that mean? For Zacchaeus, it means reconciliation. 
You see, he begins to reconcile with those that he took too much money from. He gives money back to them. And then he reconciles with God, his father in heaven. And he gives money to Jesus or he gives money to the church. So he gives half of what he has back to the kingdom of God. Because of the issue of reconciliation. And so now I'm coming back to the vision. I mean, our strategic plan. If we are going to be a church with vision, then church, I need to be bold here this morning. We had better make sure that if there is a business of reconciliation that needs to happen, that we are at the business of reconciliation. And maybe that's reconciliation with somebody here in the church. Maybe it's reconciliation because maybe we have this bitterness that is there and it's this wall that we're experiencing and we walk in the sanctuary and you're feeling, or maybe it's the fact that somebody is over here, say theologically, and somebody's over here. And You see, the enemy loves that. The enemy loves the fact that we don't have focus. The enemy would love for us to not get focused in life. I mean, the enemy does not want us to have a vision as a church for the glory of the kingdom of God. Amen. And so the first step is reconciliation. And for Zacchaeus, it's reconciliation with, of course, his fellow man and reconciliation with God. And maybe, church, it's reconciliation that the Lord is working out in your heart, even in this service today. And it would not surprise me if I hear a story that during the response time this morning that you go and I hear the story that you go to somebody and you you reconcile and you share with them maybe something that the Lord has, you know, put between you and you need to deal with that. And and yet, you see, before we can have vision and before we can pull together, we need reconciliation. And so, obviously, Zacchaeus, he has reconciliation. And Zacchaeus would agree that Jesus came so that man might have life and have that life more abundantly. I mean, no question he would testify to that. So moving in mission means getting our priorities right. So our priorities are getting right. You follow me? Our priorities are getting right. Church, our priorities are getting right because they matter to God. Amen. So that's what moving in mission is. Moving in mission is getting our parties right. Moving in mission means sharing the abundant life. Say that with me out loud. Moving in mission means sharing the abundant life. Amen. That we're sharing the abundant life in Christ. And, and I, I'm remembering as my experience as a pastor that I, I spent some years as, you know, kind of like a disciple of Christ and maintaining the saints. And then I, I realized after a period of time that, man, it, it has to go beyond that. I have to be not just a disciple of Christ, but I need to be a discipler for Christ. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean? I, what I mean is remember ministry is reproducible. Now bear with me for a moment. Ministry is reproducible. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. So first we have to begin to say, okay, yeah, people that do not know Jesus, Jesus is not walking with them. They're not, they're not participating in the kingdom yet. You see, Jesus identifies those as lost. So first step, we identify that there are those that are walking without Christ, not being judgmental, but with brokenness. And with tears in our eyes, that we're concerned about those that do not know Jesus Christ. And we want to share Christ because we want them to experience the abundant spiritual life that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so I'm, I, I began by saying moving mission means sharing 
the abundant life. So I realized that there was a limitation as a pastor in reproducing myself in regards to ministry because I, I learned that as far as the influence that I had as a single individual, as one man, that I could not minister to more than about 160 people. And so I pastored and I pastored one church for about five years and I went to another church and pastored for four years and just bear with me. This is boring stuff. I understand. But every time that I pastored these churches, it would grow from what, 30 or 40 people to about 180, sometimes 220. But we kept on encountering, my wife and I, this dynamic that preachers talk about called the 200 barrier. And we were stuck there because I was a disciple, but not a discipler. On mission, remember? And so God reveals to me that now I'm becoming, I need to become this discipler as I studied and began to bear down and understanding the dynamic of what it means to move forward that I needed to develop, not just, you know, allow the Lord to work in my life, but to believe in others and develop those others as they become a part of this team that God is developing. And so I began to work with what I called a ministry team. And that ministry team became leaders and leaders of Leaders of learners, remember, leaders are learners, and they became leaders of leaders, and those leaders began to reproduce themselves themselves again so that we could begin to move to the next level. Why? Because we want people to experience the abundant life in Jesus Christ beyond my single ability. And so we began to develop the ministry team, and they began to be leaders, and they began to follow the example of God. How about that? What a novel idea, as God instructed Moses in the desert, as the Israelites were wandering to put someone over 5,000, somebody over 500, and to delegate and put somebody over 50. And in the delegation process, as leaders became leaders of leaders, Then God began to bless the kingdom and things began to work a little bit more smoothly. And so I began to have this clear focus that to experience and to share the abundant life of Christ with more than just the few that I could, you know, influence myself, that I had to begin to really believe in what Hebrews teaches us as the priesthood of all believers, that that God has called every one of us on mission. And that we can have a vision of us responding to that mission. So moving a mission means sharing the abundant life. Amen. It means sharing the abundant life. I, I recently handed out a, a book to my board members and to our, our staff. And the book is called Shift. And I don't know if you've ever seen the book. But anyhow, it's, it's, a, it's a book about, about nine churches that experienced uh, vibrant renewal. We could call it revival, but vibrant renewal. Nine churches in North America, that's Canada and the United States, and those nine churches were churches that, that went from one level to the next level and to the next level, and they began to experience this vibrant renewal. And the nine pastors gathered together for two years and asked the question, what is happening? And so the name of the book is called Shift, and I was blessed to be a part of that project because our church was one of those nine churches. And we asked the question, I mean, why did our church there where we were pastoring at the time, which was Tennessee, and we had started with about 90 people and grew to a thousand in about 10 years. And we asked the question, why? Not because the church had money, not because of exceptional leaders, not because of any human thing except the unquenchable desire to sacrifice what was necessary to share the abundant life of Jesus Christ. Amen. People got excited 
about Jesus Christ. And they wanted people to know Jesus Christ. And they wanted people to meet Jesus Christ. And it excites me when I see, and I'm happy when I see, the church begin to fall in love with Jesus. Because Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Make no mistake, it's not a program. It's not even any specific church. It is people when they come together as the body of Christ and they are in love with Jesus. Amen? And so God calls us to be in love with Jesus. To experience the abundant life that is ours in Christ. And, and it's that passion that drives us as, as we face whatever it is that we face. I, I'll never forget, just real quick here. i never forget my, my, my father was still alive. He's now with Jesus. Um, and he loved Jesus. My mom's with Jesus, too, and my folks were such great examples. But I'll never forget there in Tennessee as we had built this new campus, a new facility, and we were gathered around the parking lot, and we we're going to open up the church the next Sunday for the very first service. And, and we were there in the parking lot, maybe about 40 of us, and we had marched around the campus, and we were praying that the Spirit of God would fall and that God would be present on the campus. And, and as I finished the prayer time, I I, I said, you know, we're, we're short about we're short about five thousand dollars for the sign that we need. We we did not have a sign for the new campus. And my dad, right away, my folks were living with us. They lived on Social Security. They had nothing. They didn't even have a home. And right out of the starting gate, my father says, "I'll give five <laughs> hundred. Somebody else." 500 over here, 500 over here, 1,000, 500. We had our $5,000. What nobody knew is that 500 was probably half of all the money that my dad had. He had half of what he had. And not because his son was the pastor. See, I, I, I know my dad. I knew my dad. It's because he was passionate about making sure that people experienced the abundant life that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And he wanted people to meet Jesus Christ. And it made all the difference in the world. So moving to mission means using what you have. In fact, I, I think of Luke chapter 9, if you have God's word. Let's turn there. Go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, I don't think we have it up here on the screen. But in Luke chapter 19, not 9, 19, sorry. Luke chapter 19, looking at verse 11 through 23. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19, looking at verse 11 through 23. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. And so he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. And you know the story. The second guy comes along and he says, well done. Good job. You've earned five minus. And, and so he said, you take charge of five cities. And you know the story. And then the last guy comes up and says, well, I've buried mine. I've wrapped it in a cloth. I've saved it because I know you're a hard man. 
And he responds to me, he said, you wicked man, why did you not at least put it on deposit and allow it to make and earn some kind of interest? I mean, why is it that you didn't even use, church, what it is that you have? Remember, this is about glorifying God. This is about building the kingdom for God's glory, not for our own glory. And I'm wondering if we're even sharing with others what we know, what we know about Jesus Christ. I'm wondering if we're even taking that kind of step. And, and, and if I were to say, well, what's the purpose of the message today? And I usually share the purpose in the beginning of the message. But here at the end of the message, I want to say this is the purpose of the message today. It is possibly to change the definition of what a mature believer is. Because a mature believer, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we read it again in Hebrews, the mature believer is a believer that understands that they are part of the priesthood of all believers. Amen. And that is value upon you and your life that God has called you to be in mission, involved in mission for his glory. And that mission is to share Jesus Christ with those that do not know Jesus Christ. I, I go to Second Peter 3, 9. Look at that with me. We have it for the screen there. Second Peter 3, 9. We read, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. As some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. It's not too late. Teenagers, it's not too late. He's waiting. He's patient with you. It's not too late. Instead, not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And then look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 14. Read there in the same way. Your father in heaven is not willing for any of these little ones to perish. And so we see that God is waiting upon us and that God, he cares for every soul. That God cares for every soul. And, and so we're, we're a church that is on mission. And we're saying, Lord, give us your vision. And give us your heart. I know you care about every soul. You care about people knowing who Jesus Christ is. And realizing that people that do not know Christ, they are lost, as Jesus would say. That he who hath the Son hath life, who hath not the Son hath not life. And there's this only one way to the Father, is through the Son, Jesus Christ. You see, that's the axiom of Scripture. The axiom of Scripture. And, and that is that all of us, all believers, are a part of and involved in the process of people meeting Jesus Christ. In closing, I, uh, I was uh, getting my coffee this morning. And uh, at 7-Eleven, same place I do every Sunday. And then I, I get up early, leave the house before she's up, my wife is up, and I go study somewhere. And uh, usually I find a hill so I can see the valley, and I just kind of meditate for a couple hours. And I get my coffee, and so anyhow, I'm there getting my coffee. And, and it's the same guy. It's been the same guy for about two months. They're behind the counter. Are you here, by the way? I need to ask that question before I go on. <laughs> Are you here? <laughs> okay. What's that? No. Okay, so anyhow, so I'm getting my coffee, and uh, bless his heart, this is like the sixth Sunday that I come up to the counter, and he's just really frustrated. And he's, I mean, mega frustrated. I mean, he's turning the air blue. Do you know what I mean when I'm saying that? 
I mean, he's dropping all kinds of words that I don't even want to give you the first letter of. I mean, he's just turning the air blue. Now, remember, I'm getting ready to meditate and pray and get ready for Sunday. <laughs> so it's bothering me a little bit. And, uh, and there was a couple people in front of me, and he's just cursing, and he's mad because the people that were supposed to relieve him have not shown up. That's happened like the last six Sundays in a row. The people that's to relieve him have not shown up. And so he's just turning it blue, and I'm standing there, and I've seen him every Sunday, and I just don't know what to do. I, I wanted to make his life better, and maybe this wasn't a good thing, but I pulled out my wallet. I pulled out one of my preacher cards, my, my cards for the church, and I handed him a card and said, I'm a pastor, and I think you'd feel really good if you came to church this morning. <laughs> and he hung his shoulders. He said, okay. <laughs> Anyways, and I said, I'm sincere. I... You know, hey, I just, I'd love to have you come to church. I did come and meet Jesus. You know, I don't know. Maybe there'll be no fruit there. I don't even know his name. I'll see him again next Sunday. I'll pray for him. But I believe God is doing something. I don't know what it is. But God has put him on my radar. What do you do with all this, I'm saying? Who has God put on your radar? Who has God put on your radar? Who might you share Jesus with? Because, you see, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Let's stand. We're going to prepare for our response time. And remember reconciliation. Before we can say, yeah, God, this is our vision... I think that maybe there's some things maybe the Lord wants to do in our heart first. Before we can embrace the vision, this big plan, I invite you to embrace God. I invite you to seek Jesus and to reconcile some things in your heart. And maybe, maybe even during this time, reconcile with somebody else. Could you do that? And maybe go to them and say, I'm sorry, or go to them and share something. But just let's just be in the spirit of reconciliation as we're preparing our hearts for that future that God has given us. And who has the Lord put on your radar?